a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Mr. Torna, how are you doing this weekend? I always say this weekend on a Friday. It's like kind of the weekend, you know, it's... uh, Well, and for me, working a 410 schedule, I'm always so used to this being the beginning of the weekend, right? Like Thursday uh, night well, yeah. is Friday night for everyone else. And Exactly. Uh, so I'm in habits, but I know not a lot of other people have Fridays off, but what am I saying? Like you don't have any days off. You do that to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was at home all day today though, which was nice, Oh, there you go. There you go. Kind of swamped. I trying to get the house clean and, and was working on sending some bids out. And then on top of that, I've been cooking on and off all day. I've got, well, no one texts me back. So upwards of like eight people coming over for tacos after this. Wow. Yeah. I saw your Instagram story with the salsa verde going. Yeah. So I got some salsa verde going, some pico, some slaw. I battered and baked a bunch of mahi-mahi. I also Mm. have... Some mm. flank steak marinating right now that's going to be turned into some carne asada. And then we're doing margaritas and pina coladas and hopefully smoking some cigars. Some classic beverages. Absolutely. Yes. It's like it's a so whole. So into it. Yeah. It's a bunch of good stuff. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I still have dreams sometimes of those steaks we made for my brother's bachelor party. Oh, Do you remember those that? Those were so good. Oh, <laughs> The marinade was awesome, but your help, uh, yeah, I mean, in for in the interest of full transparency, I am not a cook. I can follow directions just fine. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, I always grew up thinking that cooking was just, like, recipes to follow. I, I never mm-hmm. really saw the art in it. Like, even now, it's hard for me to break the habit of not tasting at every step, like, Sometimes I cook a full meal and don't taste it until it's on my plate and I'm eating at the table with everyone else. Okay, to be fair, though, I do that all the time, too, because it's like... <sighs> I mean, some dishes are reliable that you can yeah. just be like, I'll throw this together, bing, bang, boom. But like, I treat cooking very formulaically, and I need to right. look at it more as an art form. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've taught me that many times over the years, but oh my gosh, that meal we made for... David's bachelor was spectacular fire. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, my, my big issue with cooking is I, I tend to undersalt. So I've been trying to, it's easy to do that. It's easy to undersalt. You always think you're overdoing it and you're, yeah, like, you're just going to mask every other flavor you're going for. Yeah. My dream is to cook a meal and no one has to ask for salt. Like, you know, make it, make it perf. That's true. Do you think any of that though has to do with just our, like where we live, like the culture we live in, 
you know, just throw salt on or it's salt or ranch. I feel like in Montana, it's like, can I get a side of ranch with this? Oh, God, Lord, <laughs> ranch. Uh, OK, don't this get me is wrong how, here. This is how it works. I don't <laughs> I don't dislike ranch. I actually really like ranch, mm-hmm. but it is alarming, like how much people just want to slather that on everything. Yeah, it's like. <sighs> I don't know. I I I do like ranch. I like ranch for fries. It's a good dip. Oh yeah. Um, especially like an extra creamy one or an extra thick one, and like shove some chips or veggies in there. But like ranch on pizza, ranch on <laughs> just no. <laughs> no, I will actually eat. I'll I'll eat some ranch on pizza every now and again. But it, I save the ranch. I for already the crust. feel kind of dirty when I eat pizza. What? Okay. Cause, you, you need know, to it's like, absolve yourself of that guilt. But then you start dipping it in ranch. Okay. And then yeah, it's no. Like, ooh. What I, I, I save the ranch to dip the crusts, but okay, I eat the pizza unadorned. That is good as and it, fair. As it was meant to be, right? Because yes. then it's just like a free little breadstick at the end of the, the pizza circle. 100%. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. Um. Well, so we are recording... On a much earlier afternoon than we're used to. Uh, yeah, also on a day that we never record. Day we never record because we thought we were going to give Cat uh, some space. And it turns out like she was feeling bad yesterday evening because she was coming down with something. So Yeah, I feel really bad. She texted yesterday and was like, guys, I am just absolutely tuckered. She didn't say that, but. <laughs> That's a Montana you know, she's like, right am, there. Yeah. yeah. Tuckered out. She's like, I am so worn out, which is unusual. So, of course, I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, we'll just record Give you tomorrow space. or whatever. Absolutely. And uh, she woke up not feeling good, is in sick. So, yeah, when you um, wake up with sore throats, I know that feeling. Yeah. It's like you wake up and you're like, I don't remember swallowing a broken beer bottle last night, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, she's out. She's out for the count right now. Hopefully, she'll be back next week and better. And we're just hanging. So, yeah, it's just hanging and I goofing at this point we're goofing and because it's so early in the morning honestly whiskey felt really weird to drink you're um, saying early in the morning but um it's 4 14 in the did, afternoon did i say morning oops yeah <laughs> <laughs> it just feels okay i meant early in the afternoon obviously but um, right right <laughs> it felt early for whiskey i yeah. wasn't feeling that uh bougie today so i popped the cap off of a fat tire from new belgium and I'm just I can sip, respect that. Sipping on a delicious uh, beer. Honestly, I almost just cracked a beer, and I was like, "No, I can't. I got to do something." Okay, so what are we drinking? We today, are drinking, Mr. Torna, the simplest. Well, that's not the simplest, right? The most simple you can get is just pouring some booze in a glass. But uh, which is what I do every week. Yeah, we'll well, say. exactly. That is the simplest. Uh, I'm just drinking a gin and tonic right now. Oh, a, a classic. A wonderful yes, classic. So a little bit of tonic, bunch of gin. Yep. Threw a cucumber spear in there instead of a lime. Yep. And I'm accompanying it with some Mott's assorted fruit flavored snacks. With the crinkles, man. As a <laughs> as a podcast producer, I very much resent the sounds you're making right now, but. <laughs> As a human gummy being, snack ASMR. As a human being who knows the delights of a fruit snack, I can't fault you for this. I can't do it. 
<laughs> I think the first gin and tonic I ever had was one you made me, and it was the night before Colin's wedding when we were out in mm. Wyoming. Yep. And I remember it being delicious, especially tonic water. I never gave tonic water its fair, fair due. I don't know, because in my mind, I always heard tonic water and sparkling water as just kind of the same thing, but very much not. No. Tonic water is like super sweet, and it's got the whatever it is, quinine or quinine. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives it that iconic taste. Right. A lot of people have gin tonics and they're like, I don't like gin. And I think it's because they think that tonic is what gin tastes like. Interesting. Okay. I I like this theory. I don't know. For real. I can be into this theory. I remember too that that morning you made a bunch of gin and tonic in in your hydro flask, but then you left it in your sunny car for like the whole ceremony. (laughs) And you guys were sipping like very, very warm gin and tonic yeah thanks for reminding me yeah you're welcome (laughs) i remember josiah being like do you want some and i'm like it's been in your car hasn't it and he's like yeah it's really it's like it's bordering on like lukewarm tea kind of temperature hard pass that was okay wait 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 thinking of of hot drinks somebody i know you know them too. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna publicly shame them. Don't dox they them were, on with the whiskey. Uh, no, but they were saying that they like warm Sprite. Like not like oh room temperature. Like heat it up so it's warm. This is. This is a challenging concept for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh. Okay. Okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of in a mode in my life where I'm like, hey man, no judges. Um, so may, maybe we need to try it, Stephen. Maybe we I don't need to really give this judge a people. Shot. I, the biggest thing is me just trying to understand why. So you know, I'm really not trying to, to shame anyone, but it's definitely a like. Yeah, it's a. What is? Why are you the way that you are? What's the weirdest thing you do with food? <laughs> Me? I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first while you're right. thinking about right. it. The weirdest thing I do with food um, doesn't matter uh, where I am. I will do this in public. <laughs> but when I when I get a burger, my wife looks at me like I'm an absolute madman. But I like I put my full force of th- my arms and shoulders into like getting the burger or the sandwich as flat as possible. I will press that thing so hard and Dixie just looks at me like I'm crazy well that's one what do you think of that first um okay so this is coming from a guy that's got a small mouth (laughs) so I tend to have a very difficult time eating giant sandwiches yeah because the you know distance between my teeth when my mouth is as open as it'll go yeah is um weak Absolutely. Uh, so I tend to have to do a squish or a chop. Have you um, have you ever tried to take a bite out of like a monster burger, and you like you tried to open your mouth so wide that you almost like give yourself a cramp like on the underside of your chin? Yes. I hate that feeling. I despise that feeling. I so hate that my body the, does that to me. 
Yeah, so that's part of it. Like, I, I get why you squish your sandwich because I, I do the same. Um, I'm, I'm also, just trying to enjoy a burger, and then my body's like, well, Dixie, okay, hold on. Have you ever heard of a panini? Thank you. I think that the panini. You're basically just a man made panini press. I accept. Well, well, I, no. I don't give you're, off a bunch of heat from my palms that, like, right, deliciously right. grill the outside of my bread. Just an unplugged press. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I, I think the paninis should make a comeback. They're so simple. They're so easy. They're delicious. Just hot bread, hot flat bread sandwich. Very good. Or a quesadilla even. Simple. What about you? Hmm. Weird food behaviors? I have another one. Weird food behaviors. I definitely really like fried eggs on like everything. Yeah, that's not unheard of, like, a fried egg on, like, a burger or something, as long as we're keeping Yeah, but, like, realm. the other day, I had a Tasty Bite, which is, like, a curry chickpea dish. Mm, okay. And I was like, I wonder what a fried egg would taste like on it. So I, like, put a fried egg on top. Yeah. I can be into that. Like, I think the flavor... I've put a fried egg on pizza before. Wow. Okay. Um, I think the never flavor put it on a hot dog, but that could be really good. Right. The flavor of an egg is so subtle and innocuous that Yeah, but you see, I like I like the gooey insides and I know that you do not. This this so, is so an abomination yolk, to me. No. Egg yolk egg yolk is equivalent to me as like ranch. Like everything should be dipped in the egg yolk. And that's why I like eggs Ew. on everything. Ew. I can't do this with you right now. That's no. <laughs> Over hard fried eggs, like no run to it at all. Like I want just blanched dry egg yolk inside that deliciously fried in butter or bacon grease or something like that. But no, I right? Don't, yeah, I we had talked about this before. Do how not we like do a our runny eggs. egg. I cannot abide this this runny nonsense. Over easy. Oh. My dad raised me on over easy, and then I learned that over hard existed, and I was like, <laughs> it was equivalent to being told like my entire childhood that santa was real and then when i was like 14 i learned that santa wasn't real like i was like wait wait why did you do this to me for so long we could do it this way (laughs) (laughs) it was it was paradigm shifting was what it was i think that i mean we know this to be the case that the concept of breakfast foods only exists because of good marketing on behalf of cereal companies. Right. I think these guys tell you already, I way prefer like in quote normal food for breakfast. The okay, what is in quote normal food for breakfast? Like spaghetti and meatballs, um curry. Okay. Pizza. Leftover or fresh? Like, are you making a Does fresh curry really, in the morning? No, I'm not making fresh curry okay. in the morning. But okay. generally, technically, when I make curry, it's almost never fresh. I always, like, let it sit a day and then reheat it because it gets better. Does it really? Yeah, it kind of, like, has time to marinate in itself. I've never had a true curry myself because I'm so allergic to peanuts. It's kind of oh, disappointing. There's, um, there's like, a hundred different curries out there, and... Only like two of them have peanuts in it. Okay, so this is a stereotype that I've learned. <laughs> Fair enough. No, peanut butter curry is like pretty common, but there's so many curries that have no tree nuts in them. Curry is a Thai food, correct? 
yeah, but also a lot of Indian dishes use curry because curry is a blender blend of of spices. Right. Um, you know, you're gonna have turmeric is the main base, but you also have like various pepper and coriander, and sometimes different warm spices. Or you could have, if you can think of like a a spice, you can generally throw it into curry and blend it up. This Lots is of fair. Cumin. Okay. Delicious. This is fair. Yeah, I think I think breakfast foods get that way just because on the whole people who are making food that early in the morning are just like they just want the thing to be done quickly so that they can eat it. Like the barrier the the time barrier from like cracking an egg to eating a delicious over hard fried egg is so short and like just throw a piece of bacon or two on the pan next to it like you're eating so quickly whereas your quote unquote like (laughs) could you imagine waking up at six and like making spaghetti and meatballs for the fam fresh for (laughs) breakfast (sighs) that just someday someday i hope (laughs) it just seems weird but on the other hand like some families kind of make a whole event out of like breakfast for dinner night where they'll just fry a bunch of eggs and do sausage and bacon and toast. Yeah, yeah. and I prefer I prefer breakfast at night. End quote breakfast. See, yeah. It's all just it's all just made up. Like a chicken fried steak and eggs and gravy and stuff is like so good for dinner, but mm. just leaves me wanting to die when I have it in the morning. It's very heavy. It's very heavy. Yeah. It definitely inspires you to just go to bed after that. And you can't right. you can't um, have it, that kind of energy in the morning. You're supposed <laughs> to be fueling up, not winding down. So Yeah, exactly. So. That tracks. The the other absolutely buck wild thing I do with food, um, which again I'm defining as buck wild because my wife thinks it's crazy, but I'm a I'm a I'm a chips and salsa kind of man like that's okay that's it's my favorite snack hands down give me a tortilla chip and anything to dip i will hit that but chips um, and salsa give me a tortilla chip and nothing to dip and i will gorge myself no that's fair too i get that but i am all about the dip like um i even treat dips like i do it like full-on scoops like even if it's like a runny like very juicy salsa i'll like get as much stuff on the chip as I can. Cause that's where the deliciousness is. Like the salty tortilla chip is accompanying spoon. Exactly. It's an edible spoon. Thank you. (laughs) But I was just thinking about the day. Cause I've got one of those big tubs of Jack's organic salsa from Costco. Oh, and like a bag of Costco chips is probably good for like three tubs of salsa for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then I end up running out of salsa, and so I just eat the chips. But Yeah, that's fair. So when I get to the bottom of a bag of tortilla chips, like okay. you've, you've the, the bag has naturally selected for you all the largest edible spoons that you could find, and now you just have all those like little tiny bits that you can either grab like four or five at a time and just stack them and try and like... Yeah. And then what, you do the salsa... What should we call those? I don't know. They're like between crumbs and full chips. Why don't we, uh, corn, corn cracklings? Cracklings. Okay. I can, I can work with this. So I hope that's not something weird or 
bad. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it's making me think of pork rinds, which I think are an absolute abomination to the human race. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> they are some also... chicharrones? No, pork rinds are also... Oh, I should have made some chicharrones. Pork rinds are also edible spoons, but they're flavorless and pointless, and I hate them. <laughs> so when I get to the bottom of a chip bag and you have the cracklins and you have the mm-hmm. crumbs, right? I think instead of doing like you know you uh you pull the 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 corners of the bag and just like dump them into your mouth or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I I think that's a waste it, especially if you still have salsa but not enough salsa to warrant like going and buying another bag of chips. Right? So what I do. So you're saying <laughs> wait 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 hear me out. So you're saying that the cracklings are cereal and the salsa is milk. I'm so glad you beat me to the punchline here because this is absolutely (laughs) what I do. I get a bag and a real spoon, a non-edible metal spoon, and I will put the rest of the salsa in the bowl and then I dump all the cracklings. I crunch. uh, Okay, so like I... I I, I help the cracklings along to the crumb stage by crushing them up a little bit more. And then I dump them into the bowl and then I just mix it up. And then I call it salsa cereal. And my wife thinks I might no be, way. my wife thinks I might be a serial killer now. Um, <laughs> I mean, from a marketing point, that definitely is a serial killer. Dude. Thank you. Yes. I didn't even think of it in that sense. I think she thinks I actually kill people because I'm that insane. <laughs> Look, you know, what's the saying? Like, don't nix it till you try it. Mm-hmm. I I'm not nixing it, but I also have never tried it. So Look, um I'm is, excited to run out of tortilla chips. Which is how soon. I feel about warm sprite. I might give it a try one day. I might not. Um Right. You know, if the mood ever strikes. But yes, please try salsa cereal. It is the most efficient way to finish a jar of salsa and finish a bag of chips without having to like wait until you cook a meal that you can put like a tiny dab of salsa on. Or just eating a bunch of cracklins without adorning it with a delicious tomato-based paste, you know? Yeah, it gets messy. Last time I tried doing the whole, like, rip the bag and, and dump it in your mouth, I was driving, and... Oh, you can't... Okay, so there's a missed. specific... Not even a snack size bag of chips is good enough for the tip in the car, because, like, inevitably, the way the front of the car like tapers down and like bends down toward the windshield. Yep. Yep. The, the upper corner of the bag always hits that. And then you just, and then you just end up wearing more of the chips than you got in your mouth. Uh, yep. And then I also have to tilt my head sideways. So I have like corner eye. Yeah. You're doing that on the road at one sided, like I'm driving I can still, I'm driving (laughs) and then head back and then it spills everywhere. No depth perception at all when you're trying to do the the uh, the bag tip, but um, yeah. So salsa cereal, I think everybody should do it. Um, it is very efficient. It's very good. I like doing smoothies with blueberries and like vanilla protein powder and mint, and then okay. I crack an egg in it. Okay, I could I could see that still. Raw egg, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't seem all that crazy to me. No. That's something people do. You just it's just an extra bonus of 
of protein or something. I can be into that. Well, I think I've exhausted my my weird food habits that I can think of. Yeah, I'm sure I have them, and I just think they're super normal, and eventually someone's going to catch me and, and be appalled and shocked. Right. I was thinking about ordering drinks at bars again. Yeah. Um, I feel a lot more comfortable doing so now that I'm fully vaccinated and my, my wife is headed to fully vaccinated pretty soon. And nice. Like going out, hanging out with friends again. Like I went and got a beer. Are you uh, one stick or, or two stick? I got that J and J juice fam. I, uh, oh, nice. Yeah. I got it a day <gasps> before. Should I make a cocktail? Should I invent a cocktail and call it the J and J juice? Uh, yeah, I'm into it. Absolutely. Okay, although we're going to be kind of all over the place tonight. Also, I have not forgotten about the cocktail that I need to invent, inspired by the uninspiring Joe Biden, which a very milk toast I, man, absolutely. Which, after I think it was Alex on Twitter suggested <laughs> that it should involve Sprite and bananas in some capacity. Warm Sprite and bananas. <laughs> Is that the cocktail though? Like you don't even need alcohol. You just like it just warms <laughs> just warms front and bananas. I could just see Biden at his next uh speak speech <laughs> talking about being a kid and he's like I remember going down to the soda store and getting Warm Sprite and bananas. <laughs> okay, here's the here's the drink. Okay, it's just it's warm, flat Sprite, <laughs> and <laughs> and to make it sound really bougie, you call it it's, <laughs> it's warm, flat Sprite <laughs> with with hand mushed banana. <laughs> Good enough for a very old man to suck down his feeding tube. Oh, <laughs> uh, good lord. Okay, well, there's going to be it, two variations. It, won't, it gonna... won't make him burp because the sprite is flat. <laughs> and I, I, oh, and I did, uh, I did determine that it'll be called a malarkey. A malarkey. Um, this is absolutely so the right choice. The malarkey one will be disgusting. And the Malarkey 2 is probably going to be, like, I'm thinking maybe some rum, lime, creme de banane, kind of like a tropical lime and banana drink, and it'll be delicious. Okay. What's the intent here? Because now it feels like we're leaning into the analogy, and you might be predicting with, a, with, with like, a profits level of future telling that... Maybe the second Biden term is awesome. Is this what I'm sure this oh. is not the direction you're going, but like if you're making two versions of the same drink and 2.0 is good. More, more in line with our meme analogy where like the first one's a meme and the second version is expanding on what that meme potentially really is about. Variations on a theme. I see. Okay. I'm into it. There's the core of the banana there. Yeah, I don't know if we want to get into this, but I don't see Biden physically having a, a second term. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, no, fair enough. There's, uh, yeah. There's other drinks that are in that vein of 
of uh, storytelling. Mm. It's a multimedia beverage we're inventing here. Yes. Yep. It's an internet meme and <laughs> and a smoothie you could get at a nursing home. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So anyway, I'm still I'm still thinking Should I just should I just get some warm sprite mashed banana in it and that should be this week's cocktail? Oh no, that seems it might get a story post. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Give it a try tonight with your your friends coming over for Taco Friday. I or don't whatever. have any bananas or Sprite. Okay. Well, not with that attitude. That's true. All right. I'll go to the <laughs> store. You're right. Okay. So we got we got to end the podcast right now, so I can go to the store. Wow. Really? Nah. No. 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 We're good. We have some I got time. Plenty of time. I'm so I'm thinking about going and like going out to get drinks and i kind of have a theory that no one actually like going out to get drinks with like me and cat yeah you and cat because cat and i have never <laughs> been in the same room actually and we've <laughs> yep <laughs> it's ridiculous is what it is um building this partnership on podcasting and we've never even met i've seen her on tv does that count <laughs> uh holy moly i never even thought about that yeah yeah it's does count it's like a movie star right sure yeah absolutely starstruck although yeah yeah anyway i'm thinking about going out to drink again and i think that no one actually knows what they like when they order a drink at a bar you're you you're a former bartender you should have thoughts on this but yeah i don't think anyone actually knows what their favorite drink is i think they're typical drink is actually just the first drink they ever tried to order because I, I remember going to a bar for the first time and having a really weird sense of like like the way the bartender looks at you I was just intimidated and I was just like uh, uh um old-fashioned please <laughs> and now like anytime I go to a bar it's an old-fashioned just because like I know I can right. successfully order that and a bartender knows what I mean I am petrified by the idea of walking up and being like, hey, um, I would love like a yellow jacket and then being like, what's in that? And then I'm like, uh, I don't know. I thought it was your job to know that. <laughs> you know, Yeah, it depends. You know, some bartenders, depending on the place, like they take pride in their work and they they've got a pretty good repertoire of drinks. And right. Yeah. They've got bar books or they'll just look something up like all the time. I would just hop on my phone and look something up if I didn't know what was in it. But yeah, and when I go out, like I don't, I tend to try to order, like say we go out and I have two drinks, I try to get one drink that's kind of whatever I might be in the mood for that night, something that I'm familiar with, and then I always like to try and order one of their like staple drinks, like a a drink mm. that is on their menu, their creation. Okay, Yeah. Because a lot of the more modern drinks have a lot more complex liqueurs in them and things like that. And right. They tend to be a little sweet and whatnot. But Yeah. You got to be able to, like, read your vibe. You've got to be in tune with yourself. <laughs> that was the most new agey nonsense I've ever said in my life. You have to be in tune with yourself, man. Just you have listen. to be in tune yeah. with your body mm. to understand the liquor that you crave. See, I think that if that's the metric by which we're ordering drinks at bars, I think that 
most people are very often betrayed by their body or they're really bad at listening to their body because like, especially when you, when you just even talk about the science of drinking a, like a high alcohol content beverage that also comes with a ton of sugar, like they have to know that they're going to wake up with the worst headache of their life. Um, here's the thing. I think people know from experience, but I, very few people actually like, okay, after understand at, and, and are sitting there like, oh, I should have known that having a depressant in conjunction with okay, an yeah. upper like sugar would metabolize in such a way, yada, 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 you know, we're nerds, remember? Yeah, we're nerds, <laughs> but also like I should amend, I, I'm assuming that they've had at least one bad hangover experience. Based on True. something like a vodka Red Bull or whatever. It's called a trash can. And that's because that's what it makes you feel like. And yet they choose it anyway because they're bad at listening listening to themselves, getting tune, in tune I used to, with their I body. used to drink trash cans every now and again. Absurd. Absurd you are. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm still stuck on this theory of like, our regulars when we go out to a bar is probably just the first thing you ordered successfully without being looked at like you were a child. Mm-hmm. Even like, I sometimes wonder if Lagavulin 16 is my favorite whiskey just because it was the first scotch I ever tried. And like, there might be a whiskey out there that I like more, but like if I, if I stroll into a bar and see Lagavulin, I'm always ordering that. I'm not going to try a different scotch they have up on the shelf. True. I have a hard time ordering like high end whiskey at bars because just how expensive it is. Yeah, no, that's fair. That makes a lot of sense to me. But sometimes it's, it's absolutely experience. worth it though. Yeah, right? Yeah. Plus you just feel you feel classy as hell when you get to like <laughs> You're quoting Ron Swanson when you just order a Lagavulin, and that feels awesome. Yeah, actually, no, this is um, this is a good, actually more serious kind of conversation to have just briefly, is trying to balance, like, where going out and having a good time can be valuable, and then prioritizing saving money and being frugal. I think probably the absolute worst thing you can do as a young person is like go out and drink just from a finance expense. It, uh, yeah. Financial it's an expensive hobby. It is. It's crazy. And it's, and I am so grateful to be in a position where I, I can go out and have drinks when I want. And that's not, I know that it's not going to, you know, hinder me and I'm not going in debt to drink, but a lot of people are, um, mostly like young college students, right? It's hard for me to fathom like going out to one of the bars in Bozeman to play chess with the guys and then, you know, three of us at the end of the night have a $200 bar tab or whatever, right? Yeah, right. And it's like, oh, for $200, I could like have unlimited cocktails for like, you know, six people at my house. Unlimited being like, okay, they're not going to have more than four cocktails. Um, Correct. Yeah. So it's just, it's interesting for me. It's like, uh, yeah, some of the bars are really cool, but I could throw a bomb party 
everyone pitches in ten dollars and and they can drink like almost as much as they want. Hmm. Yeah. Which, I, but I, sometimes sometimes I throw that out there and it's like, no, we'd rather go out. Yeah. It sounds like you're Which describing the calculus that goes into like just throwing a college party. Like we we could all go and spend eight dollars each on a on one drink that we can get at the bar or yeah. if everyone goes and spends eight dollars on pbr or like bud light or whatever and then <laughs> comes to my garage like that that right you're probably gonna have a better time doing that anyway because mm-hmm. the entire room is filled with people you know or at least are comfortable enough with even just by the fact that you might not know everyone at the party, but the host is someone everyone knows. And if you like the host enough, you kind of just trust like, oh, he has other circles of friends. And if he invited them, they're probably cool. You know, right. Whereas exactly. You go to a bar and if you just start, if you start acting like a jackass at the pool table, there's a like, <laughs> there's a level of social shame that gets elevated, like cranked up to 11 when you're at a bar and drunk versus like, in your buddy's garage playing video games and drunk. Right. Right. Exactly. I think too, the, the name of the game, I mean, like (laughs) I'm obviously not much of a partier. I'm describing a party as if I've ever been to one. Uh, (laughs) But uh, this is also going to come across as really like noob or something. But like every time I get invited to go out to a drink, I usually like will predetermine like the bill I want to pay, even factoring in tips. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to spend 30 bucks tonight, I can get maybe three or four pints of beer, or I can get like two nice cocktails or like, right. Yeah. Two nice cocktails plus a tip or or like, exactly. Or a single dram of a double shot of Lagavulin. Like, I don't know. Obviously, the solution is budgeting, but that's not fun when you're in college. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's how we operated, very much so. Between how hard we worked at City Brew and then like carpooling all the time from Laurel to Billings and all that, but I don't. We're not typical in that sense. Right, that's true. And the same thing with food. Like, I love to go out and have a good dinner, obviously, but. Like, frankly, I'm a really good cook. Granted, there's time involved with, with cooking and sometimes the amount of time that it takes me to prepare. Like, for tonight, the amount of time that went into cooking. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, I could have just worked and paid for, you know, dinner or whatever. But um, it's like, I can I can cook for a lot of people and have, like, a bomb, diggity, gourmet meal and, you know doesn't break the bank people can enjoy it that's true yeah because what you're paying for at a restaurant you're not just paying for the ingredients of the dish you order you're paying for that chef's time that right you know like he's getting paid to do this he's here basically selling his time to you and like it's a whole it's a whole trading factor of do i want to spend 30 minutes to make five good ribeye steaks for 50 bucks or do i want to go one buy one good ribeye steak for myself for 50 bucks and not have to put the time into the 
like doing the marinade the day before and then like prepping all your right, sides right. and vegetables or whatever. Or like, would you rather just sit and hang out with your family for 30 minutes at a restaurant while this guy sells his time and the ingredients to you? Or are you willing to create the experience but lose some of that time? You know? Especially at, especially being like time being a, like one of the only non-refundable resources which again i yeah i can understand that and i've got kind of a skewed i guess um perspective of that because i just truly enjoy the time i spend cooking and serving people and things like that that's kind of my jam but that's a value question so, right like you find right. It's not just a meal that's at the end of the cooking process for you. Like you, you are truly right. enjoying the entire process. And like, if we're going to come back to food being an art form, like you're enjoying putting some artistry into the work you're doing. You're not just yeah. there to like, and I like, glob it I like out. making, <laughs> and I like making fun experiences accessible to people. So I love the idea of being able to have someone come over and generally I just like, I don't know. I don't like the idea of charging people when they come over for a meal. Mm. I know a lot of people are like, oh, come over for dinner, pitch in $5, whatever. Or like generally, even with cocktails and dinner, like I'm, I'm offering you something as a gift. Like I, I, I want to serve this to you. But mm. I love the idea of having, you know, five, six people come over and I can prepare them, you know, a $100 meal with cocktails and everything like that. Mm that you know is accessible right like they don't have to worry about it it's great i love i love that i think the perfect middle ground that is like socially acceptable like this is why we have byob right like mm -hmm. you know i'm opening up my place i'll make a bunch of food bring wine bring beer exactly like you want to drink because honestly like stuff. it's true though sometimes like Tonight with tacos and, and all of the goodies and, and cocktails and whatnot, I bet drinks are half the expense. Oh, totally it will be. Yes. Right? So it's like it, it alcohol gets expensive. and that It's an expensive hobby for sure. It kind of goes back to that meme I shared on Twitter um, from Lagavulin where like the, the top of the, the, the top third of the bottle is like, I will share this as liberally as possible just so everyone experiences the deliciousness of this perfect whiskey and then the bottom section of the bottle is like, I will hide this in the furthest darkest corners of my home bar so that no one ever spots it. If they ever come over because this is precious and it's mine. We're going to take a quick break. Then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple podcasts. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, Ravel. Even the idea of taking someone else's life, I really, I don't think I have it in me. But there are others who 
have a strong conviction that if need be, I can, you know, I can take someone else's life. It comes down to an individual intention and an individual's willingness to think, reflect, educate, and to be able to say that they're willing to live with the consequences. And now, back to our conversation. I like doing nights where you can you can get some people together that that kind of enjoy whiskey and things like that mm-hmm. and have them bring a choice bottle or something like that and then kind of get to sample everything. I don't know who we know that like is into scotch like that we could do this with. Mm, we could invite Me, you and Mitch. Yeah, maybe we could invite my friends. Well, our friends, um, Tim Legacy, Sam Fife. Oh yeah, they would be very into a night like that if we want to make that happen. I know Tim. I don't know Sam. Is Sam from Billings? He is. Yeah, we played D and D every week. He was my first dungeon master. Oh yeah, that's kind of our group. Is the Fife's the Legacies and the Hennings for D and D? Oh man. Do we want to talk about D&D? You've played D&D, right? I have quite a bit. I've like on and off. I've played quite a bit through like four campaigns. Whoa. But they always get disbanded when I'm really involved and uh and into it and then it's it's heartbreaking. Also, you never finish a campaign? No, literally it's it's awful. Bummer. Like, I, I'm I'm pretty dedicated and everyone else seems to be flaky. That is heartbreaking, my friend. We've, I shed a tear. We've been playing with this group um, literally every week since February of last year. Like, even, even when COVID was very new and very scary, like, we were playing on Discord. We were always making sure we had time to hang out, collect ourselves, play the game. And it became, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot more than the game, you know? Yeah, I you know I like it, and I would love to find an actual consistent group that I could play with. Just because I'm busy, probably too much. So I'm trying to kind of trying to wrap things up and and get a little bit more um time to myself and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's one of the reasons why in the past I've loved being able to play various video games so much with, with different people. Cause it was a good way to keep up with friends from other States, you know, things like that. And it's like, right now I don't have a lot of time to justify that, but it would be nice to be able to kind of in the same venue of video games, kind of like creativity, escapism, do like D and D and set aside, you know, a couple hours every mm-hmm. week and have like a structured, fun kind of deal and um it'd be it'd be pretty cool yeah so i'm always trying to weasel in i'm like anyone playing D? <laughs> i've been trying to get in with a group that with like marshall's friends and they they set up a discord and then like they're like we're gonna play next week and then it was like oh we're not gonna start and then i no one sent a message in the discord for like two months oh geez <laughs> Jeez, I'm like, all right, this is not not conducive to the game. You should. Do you remember uh, AJ Elliston from Rocky? You should connect with him 
I know he plays still pretty. Uh, well, I used to play with him in Billings. He was DMing and everything. Oh, at Off the Leaf. Were you part of that team? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That group that met in the conference room of Off the Leaf is like legend in Billings. I played uh, quite a bit with them, and it was a really fun group of people. And that's. It was nice to, you know, I went to school with AJ. It was nice to kind of get a hangout with totally. him there. And then I also got to play and get to know Tim better, mm-hmm. which was always a blast. I love Tim. Yes, indeed. Should, Mr. Legacy. We should do something with Tim. I want to see. Does Tim listen? Yeah. No, he does. Do you know, you know, Tim, Tim works with me, right? He works at the refinery now. Wait, what? Yeah, dude. Did I not tell you? Okay, so here's... You probably did. Okay, I'm just... Tim. So, baby. <laughs> baby. Let's baby, hang out. Baby, come back. <laughs> baby, wait. <laughs> yeah, no, so um, Tim and I... Oh, just threw my phone. It's going to become a regular thing with me getting... Yeah, last week was the iPad. Me getting used to the armchairs. Things just slide off my lap. But uh, so Tim and I... Like, I knew... I knew of Tim... Basically, like, ever since you met him, basically. But one day after, just right after Dixie and I had started No Normal People, and maybe even just a couple weeks before, like, COVID lockdown started in March of 2020, I had just gone to the coffee shop and I saw him. And I was like, oh, I know of this guy. I know this guy. And I was in a very, like open and extroverted place because no normal people was out and I was getting a lot of good feedback and it was really fun. So Mm -hmm. I just sat down with him, started talking to him about what he was doing at the time. He was uh, doing like freelance copywriting for websites and like emails and all that. And uh, we just got to talking and I was like, do you want to be on my podcast? I was like, this was when I was literally asking everyone I knew to be on no normal people. And he was like, yeah, dude, that would be so fun. Um, so I had him over that night or maybe the, the day after we recorded what is now on the no normal people feed as Tim legacy. And when we were recording that episode, we were like, uh, basically I was like, would you invite me and Dixie to a D and D campaign? Cause I've always wanted to play and I've never played before. And he's like, yeah, we would love that. And maybe a week after we went and started playing D and D with the legacies and the fifes and then COVID started and then just like in the middle of all that, uh, he was like, Hey, you've been talking about work a lot and I'm really curious about what that's like. And I was able to like secure an interview for him. He did like a six month internship, just absolutely grinding to learn all the stuff. Kind of how I did leaving city brew. It was very much just like, mm-hmm. I'm interested, kind of thrown into I'm it. interested and willing to learn kind of thing. And Josiah was the one who helped me get that. And so basically I just got to play that role. Tim interned for a while and then got a full-time job with us. So he and I like literally sit next to each other at work. Dang, that's so awesome. It's absolutely legit. Our company, I love the way it empowers people like us who don't have the engineering or mathematical or like educational backgrounds to get into this type of work. But as long as you're willing to put the work in, like I love that as a training and empowerment model for 
employees. Like I, I think in general, the college degree is becoming less and less valuable, even as colleges hike the price. I think sadly, there is a very, very small amount of degrees that I would consider truly essential. Right. Um, Medical degrees. Then, I'm totally into. Yes. Yeah. Please. And even then, I uh, honestly, this is <laughs> one of my what? more extreme views. Honestly, I think that a lot of the medicine probably could do with less education and more, more, more field practicals. Time. Yeah. More practical. Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, you get, you want 2000 hours of, of experience before you can apply. So a lot of people are, you know, CNAs or running EMR, which is good to have that experience. But like, I'd rather just do your pre-med, get a good foundation of anatomy, biology, and kind of, let people get thrown into it. And now everyone learns different, but start getting experience in like the field you're trying to be in. But I th- I think that is a really good model. Oh yeah. Because everyone I know, like Mr. Uh, Garrett, you know, he, he got his master's in chemical engineering and he's a brilliant, brilliant mm-hmm. guy. Got this job at a pharmaceutical company and, and went to work and he's absolutely killing it now. But I mean, he got hired and he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything that I learned ever in in school ever. He's like, I'm applying some principles that were applied, but like, basically I'm just, they're teaching me stuff while at work and then I'm applying what they taught me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really like that idea. I like that model. If I ever am in a position where I need to hire in quote, like, you know, technical skills or whatever, I would much rather give someone a chance that doesn't, necessarily have a degree but is just capable of thinking yeah totally and i I think the like hey i'll give you a chance and that's why i I think i mentioned this before a couple episodes ago i was like i like the idea of giving people a chance at a fair market price and then if they can prove themselves and apply themselves like rapidly reward them for what they're capable of. right because it inspires like a positive feedback loop where the more you reward them with Maybe even wages that like the market wouldn't say they're worth yet. It, yeah. It's oh, hundred like percent. You you're the one. If you give them a raise or allow them to take a bigger cut, that just inspires them to do even better because they're like, they're rising to the challenge now, right? Or rising to the occasion, versus prove it to me first and give me the the labor equivalent to what the raise will be for a few months before I actually start paying you it. Like that's very. That can feel very demoralizing. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's very good. I think just the model of education needs to kind of look at itself and just kind of reevaluate, especially in the age where it's not necessarily information that employers or entrepreneurs care about. Like anyone can Google, right? Like the, the, the world's information is available to me with my little computer in my pocket. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's the actual, it's like the meta skill of actually learning is what we should care about beyond just the rote memorization of what the Pythagorean theorem is or when the revolutionary war started. Like education is a lot yeah. less information based. And we're finally getting to a point where 
it's like, well, if it's not information based, then what is it? And now we're actually, you know, and that's why even so even through high school and whatnot, taking classes with, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Phillips, mm-hmm. he did private classes for like homeschooling right. and whatnot. Um, and then even some of the best classes that I had, um, throughout college as far as it's a little different with mathematics and whatnot, but it it still applies, I suppose, but for history and economics and everything like that, you know, especially with history, I loved how Mr. Phillips approached it. You know, we had a really good variety of, of curriculum. You know, we read classics, all sorts of, you know, most, mostly books, less, you know, textbooks, but he was never so nitpicky on knowing dates. He was like, it doesn't matter if you know when the Revolutionary War started and when it ended, but like what was going on that led to it? Yes. What were some of these, like, what are the values? What were the outcomes? You know, what were conflicts among ideology within the colonies? Totally. Um, themselves. Which is, like the numbers you know. help point to that. Like it, they're, they're signposts on the way to understanding a more holistic concept or uh, context for the world in which that event is embedded. Like even uh, like, right. to be honest, it was only just recently making the whiskey bench where I had that epiphany of like when I was talking about Jean-Jacques Rousseau being kind of the father of romantic philosophy Mm-hmm. And it clicked with me. I'm like, oh, and my favorite composers are romantic composers like Brahms and Chopin. And I was like, of course, of course they were. Like, of course, that that's what is romantic. It was like this this era. It wasn't. They're right. not just removed. So- it's almost like I was up until that point. I was thinking of like philosophy as like a completely different world like an alternate reality where people do philosophy and then there's the alternate reality where people make music but i'm like oh no like everything is mushed together like we had the romantic period and what rousseau helped kick off in that and was like part of that cohort it inspired my favorite composers at the same time and just like like just having that kind of like light bulb moment where i made that connection it was so fun for me. Well, exactly. And so, you know, knowing dates and whatnot gives you a good perspective and, and helps you connect things around the world. But, you know, I think it was something you just retweeted the other day. But it's like you could know exactly when the Civil War started, when the Civil War ended, but not know, like, what the Civil War was about. Right. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't matter when the Civil War was. What matters is what it was about. Like, It matters in context if you are then going to talk about like the Civil Rights Movement. Like, Knowing that the Civil War happened before <laughs> um, Martin Luther right. King and Jr. And then also that gives right. you context, okay, what was going on in Europe in yes. you know, that period yes. of the 1800s? Like, you know, that, but... That's what I mean. Like they're helpful signposts to help you actually learn the context that you're studying and not just like uh, the battles of the civil war did not happen in a vacuum. Right. Yeah. So in a way they're helpful, 
but also like I just think the educational model that is built to be like mass market education. I mean, it's a, it's a common, I feel like it's a pretty common libertarian critique of the education system where it's like, they're just teaching us to be factory workers. And yet our world is not based on like industrial age factories anymore. Just even in the, the meta training you get of like following the bell between class periods, moving on from civics to history to algebra and you know just like following the bell following almost like the time card model like learning learning doesn't have to be that anymore because the information that's a super interesting that's a super interesting thing because i again have kind of a, a skewed perspective of this because i never went to a public school ever and you, you, you were homeschooled, and then also went to public school. So you've got a kind of a hybrid, of that. right? So for me, looking in at it, I'm like, this is really weird and doesn't seem healthy, or you know, fill in the blank. So I'm probably a little more. I might be a little more harsh on my analysis, mm-hmm. be because of my perspective. But yeah, it just seems like man, there's a lot of inefficiencies, especially. Well, but that the same model gets translated to like where we went to college, you know, like you're going to think about English for an hour and a half and then you're going to go think about right. physics for an hour and a half. But yeah, I, I feel like I didn't truly start learning how to learn until I decided to quit college and started following my own curiosity to books or YouTube lectures or anything that actually interested me that w- that I was interested in following like i think the best thing i ever learned in my two years of college was the way our english teacher you remember plunky uh i do the best thing i ever learned wasn't even related to english but the way he explained like when you are getting frustrated with a concept that you're learning in a class that is the actual learning that's happening. Like when you experience that resistance, that's the time to be most mindful and to actually like tune into the experience of learning versus just trying to force more memorization or more knowledge in. And like I've I've hung on to that for the rest of my life, basically. Like every time I go buy a new book, it's because I because I believe it has information that I truly want to engage in, even if I find it, um, like even if it gives me resistance in the process of reading it, like I chase mm-hmm. that feeling now because no. that's, that's what I believe learning to be because that's what causes growth, right? Like it's not learning if I'm just like practicing over and over again, the same moves, it takes the slowing down and like, I don't know teaching teaching my brain to like write new code in a way or like i guess on a like a neurobiological level what plunky was describing and like the frustration you have when you're learning a new concept it's because your brain literally has never linked those neural pathways before and it's doing the work to actually forge that path yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's similar to weight training in that if you don't push yourself 
at least sometimes, um, you're not going to continue to grow muscle. You ne- you need to strain your muscle. You need to push it to its limits, at least in some and sense. And then beyond the limit. And then right, right, exactly. And so that would actually be interesting to see if there's any kind of um, biological studies on that where. If there's any, say you say you're reading a book, say you're reading like a philosophy book and you're reading it. And it's one of those moments where you kind of like gloss over and you like actually do not understand what is going on. Mm-hmm. If there's still positive benefits from that. Right. Even if you don't actually get any or retain any information from it. If just that even just trying to fathom it has positive effects. Right. Yeah, totally. Because like if if you're engaging in a philosopher that you either, you know, you have preconceived notions of the world they were living in or the world you're living in and you don't think Mm -hmm. their solutions map appropriately to the world you perceive. Even yeah, even even the moment that you slow down, be mindful and of that frustration, you're like, wow, I totally disagree. But that's the moment of learning only if you can articulate why you disagree. Right? Like, it it actually inspires Mm -hmm. some form of equal and opposite reaction if it's something you're disagreeing with. Like, we wouldn't be learning anything if we only read books that already agree with the beliefs we've either been programmed with or have chosen to pick up. Like, I was listening to a podcast by... On Being with Krista Tippett, she just interviewed Daniel Kahneman. He's like a Nobel Prize winning uh, economist. But so he's an economist who has done a lot of work around rationality and um, his stance and the way he thinks about things is like, it's easy to uh, idealize the, the, the concept of human beings defaulting to acting out of rationality and like acting out of like seeking their own best interests or the the best interests of others. And in this interview, it was really interesting because they they were kind of breaking down the idea of rationality leading us to things. You know, his, his conception is basically like we have our beliefs and then our default is actually to find the things that support our active beliefs. Yep. Instead of, allowing like facts, facts, figures, or even stories or other concepts to inform the belief. Basically like we have the belief to stand on and now we're going to look for everything that uh, keeps us stable there. And uh, I don't really know where I was going with that. I I don't know. I just kind of paired it in my mind with the act of learning is, is actually leaning into the, the times where you come across statistics or information or even anecdotes that don't support your preconceived notions and at least being able to articulate why you disagree with them. Like that's, I mean, like that's, I've, I've learned so much from doing podcasts, especially with you and Kat. Like we've, we've said things that I disagree with, but then when I try and challenge them with my out loud voice (laughs) i'm like right oh wait i can actually like if i'm following my own logic i can see the the faults in it 
And that's learning though. That's learning. Well, that is learning. And I think that's really great. And that's, I mean, we're going to tie it into politics now, apparently, but like, here's the truth. We're I'm going to, I want to talk about your uh, last episode of revel. Ooh, coming in at the end of this Um, whiskey bench. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's just wrap stuff up here, but I want to send listeners that way if they're not um, already listening to Ravel, but do you want to explain what Ravel is to anyone that might not? Yes. Ravel is another show on this, our Highline Media Network. Um, Ravel is a show I host with my friends Josh Llewellyn and Emily Reddinghouse, where we just as kind of like layperson theologians we like to get together kind of in the same vein of us as just normal ass people on whiskey bench talking about i would say emily's the least lay person yes theologian very fair (laughs) she's a pastor very fair very fair um but like it's it's just it's it's people getting together and having theological conversations for us we're talking about christian theology because we all identify as christians but we identify as Christians in different ways. So what we do is we typically just pick a topic or a question and we just ravel that out and just like kind of see where it leads. It's a fun show for sure. But you're, so you're cool. referring to our latest that, uh, I titled disarming the gunslinging savior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I enjoyed it because we have very different perspectives on this, but I think you just did such a phenomenally good job of presenting what you believed as far as gun ownership is concerned from a Christian perspective and how you are choosing not to have any firearms or ever Mm -hmm. own any. You then, I think, do a good job defending your reasoning behind it some of your concerns on on or perspectives of people that think differently. And then as you were talking about it, you even worked through some stuff and you're like, yeah, but now I can see how with hunting specifically, you're like, yeah, I can see how this is kind of a somewhere where there's some inconsistency. Yeah, it's a bit extreme. Right. And so I think that's like a really, it was a pretty healthy, healthy breakdown. And it made me check myself a little bit because I had some, you know, preconceived notions of, maybe what some of your perspectives would be on, on that. Mm. And then hearing you guys talk about it or hear Josh said something and I was like, Oh, I wouldn't have pegged him as like having that perspective. Totally. totally. So I, I was kind of the ass, the quiet ass in the corner <laughs> listening. Right. But I was like, cool, this is good. And at the end I was like, yeah, I still probably fundamentally disagree, but I, found immense value in it and i actually i think i did learn quite a bit so thank you wow thanks man i really appreciate that feedback i was i was honestly really nervous for that episode because my my position can come across like really strong in regards to practicing christian pacifism and like radical nonviolence to the extent of not owning guns to defend my own home because i i I just fundamentally believe that killing is wrong and i i think the way i read our directives from jesus to be nonviolent and to not kill like i take that very seriously what i was worried about though was that it was going to sound as if 
my personal convictions now have to be enforced on people who don't have my same convictions or experiences. Like I would never dream of ever advocating for like the way I behave toward guns to be like legislated into Montana state law. I would never dream of imposing that on anyone, you know? And that, that's what I was most worried about with that episode was like, is it going to sound like I'm just calling every gun owner like totally dumb, totally irresponsible. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it, I honestly, I think your perspective kind of is a really good bridge in between like the, the pro second amendment, no infringement and the, like we need to ban all weapons mentality because I know you have the libertarian mindset. Like you value the second amendment. We, we keep talking about how we're going to discuss this, but I'd be interested to know, like, how do you perceive the second amendment and whatnot? But like, it's a good middle ground of, okay, you do a good job actually talking about why you don't see value in mm-hmm. it, which is important. Right. But then you're still pretty clear about like, yeah, this is, this is my own convictions. This is why I believe what I believe. Here's my argument. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Totally. Ah, oh, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, of I think we should definitely, I know the next time Kat's back, we wanted to do a deep dive into one of her op-eds that she wrote for Young Voices. Yeah, we want to talk some, some yeah, energy green policy. energy, nuclear energy. Um, that's It's kind of her wheelhouse, so I'm really excited for her to just like get into it, you know? Yeah, especially because I, this is, it's just another arena where I'm woefully under undereducated. But I think after that, I think we're due for a second amendment episode. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it would be interesting to pair that for listeners to pair that with the way like my Christian theology impacts my attitude around guns. But then if we were going to have the conversation on the whiskey bench, how do I think of it as like in relation to uh, like government regulation and like a community practicing arming themselves right yeah because because my stance on ravel was very much like this it was it was literally the definition of for like as as for me in my house (laughs) this is how we do it but i don't expect anyone else to agree with me or practice it this way unless they are you know swayed by any opinions i'm able to share on ravel so Mm mm-hmm but even then, I also recognize, like, I've been having a lot of really good conversations with our Ravel patrons on Discord and with a bunch of really thoughtful people on Twitter where where even even they're saying, like, no, I've, I've drawn a gun before in self-defense. No shots were fired, but, like, it, it did actually help the situation de-escalate, which it was mm-hmm. one of those ones where I'm like, man, I can... I can so readily recognize that I do not have the experience that so many other people do even just in regards to like somebody living in, in the middle of nowhere, rural Alaska. And they're literally like carrying just because there's threat of moose charges and bear attacks. Yeah. I think that's important. And when we have our discussion, I want to, I want to try and present my side, which is incredibly too, a positive and I want to kind of 
um, from a Second Amendment perspective, let's discuss about like why people value this so much and and cases where it maybe can be used to de-escalate. Because obviously, there's you know, there's times where it probably wouldn't, but maybe there's times where. And there's also an argument to be made, you know, just from law as well. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, there are a lot of justified firearm use um, for self-defense. Interpret that how you will personally, but by law, it's right. justified. Yeah, um, and that's an important part of in the front of a judge. Well. If you're answering for your actions, some of it is like is yeah, literally exactly. justified. Yeah, I th- it would be easy to listen to that Ravel episode and think that I am like incredibly naive, which I'll be the first one to admit I might be. Like I even said on Twitter today, I I can easily recognize that my experience and my convictions are colored by the fact that I haven't even had a tangential experience of home invasion or like gun perpetrated violence, and I have always lived in the easiest, safest suburban areas throughout my entire life. Like I've never been in the middle of nowhere, rural where I need to think about wildlife or people, you know, trespassing. I've also never had to be like in the middle of an inner city and, and experience gang violence or police violence or anything like that. Right. Where it's a lot more prominent. So like I've lived in the cushiest places in order to have this, (laughs) this opinion. Right. And Montana is one of those interesting states where we've got a lot of gun ownership mm. and, but not the, you know, urban settings to potentially lead to more, you know, organized crime totally. and things like that. So, so I mean, Billings, um, per capita, Billings is like one of the top 10 most violent cities uh, Billings is wild and what's wild about Billings is like it's not just it's never it's always like disputes among people yeah, each other which so it's this weird 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 stat where it's like you don't have like random crime against right people, well so but there's really high crime amongst individuals that to fin- know each yeah other. to finish um, clarifying the stat is it's it's within the top 10 most violent cities in the country per capita which I cannot stress enough yeah, right. because like Billings, Billings per is only capita. like a little over a hundred thousand people and we're the biggest city in our state. Um, and yeah, you're totally right. It is, it is typically like someone, you know, and, um, but, but that also, it bleeds into so many conversations about the way Billings is situated in the country at the crossroads of like two major interstates, a couple major state highways. Right. Um, so Billings has to unfortunately do a lot of thought about human trafficking and there's a yep. huge drug, drug traffic as well. Yeah. Highways set up. Even, even the fact that Laurel is the largest train yard in the state, like that has, that has a lot to do with things Billings, Billings has to consider with crime and with all that. But like, but even then I live in a really easy city. <laughs> And a good part of the city at that. Yeah, honestly, it's true. So there's, thank God for that. It's all about perspective. We, which uh, is what <laughs> we kind of went all over the place tonight, guys. Salsa Thanks cereal. For, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, salsa cereal, lots of drinks. Drinks. We uh, 
drink uh, like partying in the financials of that yep. hobby hosting people and then yeah then we i love uh, work work education guns. very fun the legacies the legacies yes speaking of the legacies i'm going to go play D&D. That is right. Have a great evening doing that and send my regards. Are, do you guys use video chat? No, we we've been so the the six of us in our D&D group have from the beginning treated COVID really seriously and we we self-quarantined for a really tight like month and and after that we started playing together in person. Oh, so you just had yeah, an in group. We just oh. called it this we just so called it the COVID than, circle. Yeah. We only we only played sure. on Discord maybe four or five times over the whole worst of the pandemic. Like we we kept our oh, I'm we really kept happy our COVID circle really Discord. tight so that we could uh, justifiably do that. I no, that's that's awesome. Well, if you're gonna see him in person, then just tell him I send my regards and. Could you put up both of your hands in a little heart shape? Oh, yes. I could definitely do that. And say, Steven, Steven says. <laughs> and then make it look like it's beating. Wow. I don't know how I do that. Um, Just move okay. it back and forth. Fair enough. I'll give it my best shot. Well. Also, he'll, hopefully he'll be listening and this is just kind of awkward. And I yeah, think I'm blushing that's fair. Now. Well, Kat, if you're listening, we're making a heart shapes with our hands and pretending they're beating as well we missed you and i'm i'm ready to hear some of cat's takes on our conversation that was it was so fun to listen to you guys talk about john Locke, and i was just like damn i don't even need to be there what the heck which i'm not (laughs) saying should be extrapolated to cat on we need cat here absolutely we do yeah 100 percent. but cat we missed you heart shape with hands Mr. Torna, cheers to a fantastic conversation, my friend. Cheers, my friend. Thank you for joining us on The Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Welcome in, friends. This is Ravel. To Ravel is the same as to unravel, but we don't feel like we're falling apart. Every Wednesday, we pull on one thread at a time as we discuss our own questions about American Christianity. Sometimes we wonder if your dentist might be a cult leader and whether or not I can be a pastor. We tell stories about a pastor sawing a mannequin into pieces. Or sometimes we're just arguing about whether or not the Bible is satire. So follow Ravel if you're interested in questions like this too. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.